Hello and welcome to Watkins Wise Words, a podcast that celebrates conscious, passionate, wise and happy living. Thank you for tuning in and here is your host. So hello and welcome. My name is Steve Nabell and today I'm speaking with Mariana Cooper on her book, The Aha Factor, How to Use Your Intuition to Get What You Desire and Deserve. So Mariana is an intuitive life strategist, the popular host of the AHA Moments radio show and AHA Moments World Tele Summits. Mariana's helped thousands of clients through private mentorship, readings, dynamic workshops, and a huge range of audio and video courses. And for more information, you can find out about Mariana on her website, theahaway.com. There'll be a link going out with this, I think. Now, the book, The Aha Factor, is an inspirational and practical approach to life where Mariana reveals how you can access all your abilities to move more rapidly towards making your dreams and goals uh, come true. So, Mariana, welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, can I ask you, why did you decide to write on the particular subjects of intuition and, I call it, dream manifestation? How did, it, how did you start uh, on that path? You know, that's a big question, Steve. We know. <laughs> but I'm going to give you the, the shortest uh, version of that. And, you know, when I was, um, my mom and my grandmother are both intuitive, so I'm third generation intuitive. And although they didn't do it professionally, but they were very, very, you know, they, it was sort of infiltrated through my life in various ways, usually to figure out what I was doing wrong behind their backs, you know. <laughs> but, right. right. Um, but, you know, I, my big, everybody has kind of their own awakening process. And my um, uh, awakening process happened all the way back in 1986, I think it was. Um, and it was, I remember going to a bookstore with my mom, who was very much into all of this. And Shirley MacLaine was out doing all her things at that time. And a book literally fell off the shelf in front of me. And it was Living in the Light by Shakti Gawain. Now, she's like a classic author. But when I read that book, I dreamt about dolphins all night, and I couldn't put it down. It was, right. And I, what I didn't know was it was kind of a precursor to, um, you know, sometime later, um, you know, I kind of got on my journey, was very curious, you know, and I started to see things happening, and, you know, like my intuitive juices started to come on, and things would come true when I would, you know, uh, think of them and all that. And then my fiance passed away when I was engaged. And that was just like that boom, you know, because usually we have some kind of curiosity, but a lot of times loss brings us to these, these awakenings, you know, somebody passes away, you lose your, your job or, you know, you have issues with family or friends or whatever. And you start to say, what more is there? You know? Yeah. So when my fiance passed away, I was, you know, of course, devastated and you're in your twenties and you're just like, Whoa, this isn't supposed to happen. And, um, I remember standing at his funeral and I literally, and it sounds a little morbid, but there's a, a point to it. I remember because he was extremely talented. He was a choreographer. He was a director. He was an actor. And I just remember thinking all these, how many people are in this cemetery with their dreams intact? Like how many people did not, how much have we missed? You know, how, rich is the soil here with all these dreams and goals and things that did not see the light of day. So I had two things going on. I had one thing going on where I kind of felt like he was very spiritual and he was very into this type of thing. So we always kind of talked about this kind of stuff anyway. So I felt like I could still feel him and connect with him on some level. And then the other side of it was 
I didn't want anybody ever to go to like miss out on getting their dreams out to the world because we had so many big plans. So those two things had started to integrate. And I went on this quest to sort of be able to communicate um, with intuitively. And I, you know, started doing all kinds of, you know, journaling and things. And I'd get all these downloads about things. And, and then they would prove out by like, if I did research, I would find out that that had actually happened or whatever. And it was something I just, that came to mind. It wasn't something that I had known. Um, and then the, you know, so I went on two quests. One was to um, be kind of a motivational speaker and to really kind of get down into the actual physical, practical tasks of getting your work out to the world and, and finding your passion and following it. And then I juxtaposition that with, you know, if you have intuitive fluency, and that's what I call it, and that's what the aha factor is about, is intuitive fluency, becoming fluent in this language of your intuition. And what I learned was we were all born with it. That's not a gift per se. It's really, it's, it's a birthright. It's something just like that overlays over our physical senses to help us navigate the world. And as I sort of, you know, researched and put it to the test in my own life and then started to get clients and whatnot, um, I just realized that, you know, there's, there's a process to this. And, and I'm just going to, before I just stop this, this answer to your question, I just want to say that the, the real premise of all of this is that, you know, when you lose something, you start to pray, right? We all, no matter what we start or we get anxious and we, we start to ask, you know, and we've been taught how to ask. I, I was raised Catholic and, you know, you're in church all the time, you know, and, and it's, it's constant, ask this way and ask that way and wait for, you know, the favor of God to come down upon you and all. Of, and so we're taught there's so many, all these formal religions teach us how to ask. And I said, well, if God has all these ways of asking for help, wouldn't he have an equally robust way of getting the answers? It, wouldn't there be like some sort of language that he would use to say to talk back, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's what the aha factor what is. And, I, and, and, and as I, studied and practiced and then started to, you know, have clients. And I've had thousands of clients at this point, but, you know, as I went through, I realized there are patterns, you know, and, and I, and, and that's what I developed. It took me eight years to do this, this particular book. Um, because I was, yeah, it's very long for, you know, somebody to write a book, but it was because I was living it, you know, I was living it as I went. So I hope that I'm sorry if that was long-winded. No, but no, I that's just... perfect. That's perfect. Because <laughs> what I was fascinated with was the book is talks about um, dreams and intuition, and really I, I've read lots of books on you know dream manifestation and you know creating the life you want and books on intuition, but you seem to link the two quite strongly together. It, it, they can't go without each other because usually when you're going for your passion, you know your dream, and, and I can get into the difference between a passion, a purpose and right livelihood. Cause I think people get confused. I'll get into that in a minute, but I think that the big thing is you're going to be a pioneer in whatever you're doing. If it's your passion, you know, you are going to be creating your own way through, even if it's like, let's say you want to be a doctor and there's all kinds of doctors out there, but it's really your passion. You're probably going to do it a little differently than everybody else. And you have to have an intuitive sense of, okay, do I turn left or do I turn right? Do I study this or do I do that? You know, you know how intuitive doctors have to be because everybody's body is different. Mm. Yeah. You know, intuition is part of science. Intuition, you know, where do you think these scientists get these new ideas? It's not like, you know, 
it, it's not in the confines of their brain. They're, they're tapping into it a bigger energy than what they are. Even if they say that's not the case, it is the case. Yeah. You know, we're always, um, you know, if we go to some of the most concrete things, even when you're driving, your intuition is always working like, you know, a few blocks ahead. Like, it is helping you to know, you know, how many times have you slammed on the brakes just not even knowing why and somebody just about is about to cut you off. You're anticipating, you're telepathically anticipating, we'll get into that too, what that other person, in the, you know, th- that kid in the car who you know is texting in between lights, you know, what that kid's going to do next. We're mm-hmm. always, it's kind of our, we're born with this antenna, this energetic antenna. So when it comes to dream manifestation and, and bringing, and I, when I say dream manifestation, I think, I'm assuming that we're talking about bringing your dreams to fruition, not yeah. dreams like that you have at night when you're sleeping. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. So when, when we're going on that path to bringing our, our passion or our dreams to fruition, um, we have to not only go off, even, even if we're following a traditional path, like the path of a doctor, we might be going against what our family always wanted for us or what our husband or wife expected of us, right? We're, we're going off of some kind of trail. Yeah. And your intuition is leading the way. Now, here's the second piece that I think is actually even more important than the breadcrumbs part. And that is that if you have an inspiration to do that particular passion, whatever that is, mm. it's not really from you. Mm. It is from all the people that need you. When you say you wake up in the morning and you say, you know, I had the worst night's sleep ever. I can't. I mean, I got an hour of sleep. I'm exhausted. Gosh, I really wish I could get somebody to help me sleep better. Yeah. You're in London. There's somebody in California who wakes up and says, you know, I do all these guided meditations. I have no idea of what to do next. Huh? Oh, wait, you know, maybe something about sleep. Well, you have telepathically, when you have an emotional request, energetically, you send that request out and all the people who are capable of answering that request get an idea. They get a hunch. They get an inspiration. And that then, you know, and it might go out to, let's say, 20 people who could do it. And one person of those 20 actually acts on it, right? So that's why it goes out. So that's why we have so many people who do similar things. Yeah. Because, but the point is that the generative inspiration for that is coming from the people who need it. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So, Great way so when you, yeah. Yeah. So when you have, so this helps you when you have a passion or a dream, you know, a lot of times we put ourselves down for that, right? You said, oh, that's not normal. Oh, you know, that's, that's, that's really, you know, that's really out of the box. I shouldn't go there. I should really stick to the tried and true, but you have a whole crowd of people that's desperate for you to do whatever it is that you're inspired to do. You're the answer to someone else's prayer. And that's why I wrote this book. So what about someone, I mean, I meet them all the time who say, I'd love to know what I'm meant to do. I've got no idea. Is it a question of really tuning into the intuition, tuning into higher guidance? Or, or what would you say to someone who says, I just don't know what I'm here to do? Well, I think there's three things. There's three ways to sort of identify that. The first way is to go back into your childhood and think about what you absolutely loved. Because most of the time, we get a little seed in that early part of our lives. Yeah. So... 
Um, and, and if you, and, and if that doesn't seem to, you know, work, the second way is to look at what is the biggest problem you've ever solved for yourself that you're the most proud of. Because usually, because then that creates a system of how you solve that problem. And that could be a very big piece of what that passion and that, you know, that purposeful work would be. And then the third way is to notice what you absolutely adore doing that you wouldn't mind doing without getting paid for. Mm. Usually one of those three things, if not all of them, have the seed to that passion. Now, as far as the intuitive aspect, um, yes, that's, that's, I think basically the big category comes a lot of times from something, you know, you kind of were all born with these gifts and these, these abilities that we're expected to contribute once we get here on planet earth, you know? And so, um, I think those passions, those like playful, we always find inspiration by the way in play. Mm. Okay, so if you are the type of person who does a lot of what I call adulting, <laughs> it's like a new word. It's like a real buzzword on Facebook now, adulting. Everybody's talking about adulting. I don't want to adult anymore, you know? Right. And meaning like you're abandoning your playful side. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay, yeah. You're an adult today, you know? Right. Um, you, lose, you lose access to that intuitive, passional, passionate um, piece of yourself when you have to be too rigid um the the inspiration always happens in the child energy within us so we have masculine feminine and childlike energy within us all of us whether you're male or female and so the masculine energy well the child energy is the point of inspiration it's that aha moment is that oh boy i'd love to go do that that would be so cool and i don't care how old you are i don't care how stern you are there's something in you that it's it's there the second piece is the feminine energy which is your vision so you come up with an idea, like a, a like a little one-off, you know, creative, fun thing, and the visionary within you, which is the feminine energy, says, "Oh, I wonder what that could look like." I mean, if it was all the way done, wow! How, oh, I could be an author. Oh, I could be on tour. Oh, I could, you know, th- that big vision. Oh, how many millions of people would we help? And then the third piece is the masculine energy, which is the taskmaster says, "Oh boy, look at this little kid in, in this person, and look at the feminine in this person. We got the vision. We have the inspiration. How do we get this done?" And that masculine energy is the taskmaster. It's the one that says, we're going to go with this and this, and we need this kind of license and that kind of building and this kind of training, and that's the taskmaster. A lot of times, as we get older, we stay in that masculine energy, and we we kind of leave the the childlike and visionary part of us for vacation. Or worse yet, we put it off to retirement. And then we get stuck in the trenches of tasking without inspiration. So when you are looking for that passionate thing, it is important to give yourself permission to go and play. It's actually simpler than anything anybody wants. People say, oh, take this test and, you know, do this assessment skill thing. And what are you already good at and all this and whatever. But the best thing you can do, go to the ocean Go to a body of water, go to a mountain, you know, if it's the snow, you know, if it's obviously if it's winter for you and you can't get to an ocean or beach or whatever, go play, go, go, um, you know, be athletic, go play. And you will find that these ideas as you're all of that tasking aspect of you gets to rest. Yeah. The inspirational side of you comes up. Now, your aha factor will let you know 
which of the things that you're passionate about, you know, are the right things. So you'll start to feel intuitively, yes, this will work. Yes, this will work. Okay. You know, cause it, it, one, one is it starts to sort of easily unfold. You know, you don't have to usually fight for this thing. I mean, sometimes you do because you're fighting against somebody's naysaying or, you know, toxic people or whatever. But generally in your heart, it, it starts to just kind of take on a life of its own. This book, the last, to be honest, the last thing I ever wanted to do was write a book. I yeah. just, but every time I would say to any of my spiritual advisors or any of, you know, I'd go for readings or whatever, they say, write the book, write the book. Your intuitive voice always lets you know, very quiet, very still, very consistently. And I would hear, well, what should I do next? I'm like, write the book. Well, what if I, well, maybe I'll run a workshop, write the book. Okay. Well, maybe I'll go carry, write the book. And, you know, and when I did, when I started to write the book, other things started to go to flow. And then it was time to decide, do I self-publish or do I get an agent? Well, I got a literary agent. She signed me in 10 minutes. What? That's, that's not normal, okay. you know? And then, and then we sold the book in 24 hours. You know, like it just, it just, it, it just took on a life of its own. I mean, it's just, even now, okay. you know, just, it, it just, I can't even explain it. And that's how you know that it's, the right direction. And now I'm realizing that a lot of the activities around the book are what I always wanted to do, you know, right. write for magazines or have my own TV shows, radio shows and all that. So being a communicator, being able to get these messages out to the world and your, my guidance, my guides, my intuitive energies knew the best way to get out to the millions of people that I always wanted to be in front of was to write the book. That was like kind of the key to the gate to the other side of going from something that you're doing in your own house to going to something that you do on an international scale. Yeah. So I was being, you know, so that's what your aha factor will do for you. No matter what, it's going to take you the most efficient route to what it is your desire is. We have a tendency to complicate things. Mm. So you Mar know, Mar Mar can yeah. I ask you like in terms of intuition, um, we're educated to be, be thinkers and rather than the feelers. Do you think, why do you think most people resist following their intuition? Because, uh, you know, I know lots of people, including myself, you know, I've had an intuition to do something and I go, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'll do the sensible thing. Why do we generally block or squash it, do you think? I think because it doesn't feel, one is because we just don't know how it works. So it feels like it's not concrete enough. Yeah. Um, and because we can't see it, it's, it's kind of like air. We've been taught that, you know, if you look at the trees and there's a breeze going through, you're like, okay, that's proof there's air there. You know, we kind of look, but we don't sit and question, you know, will I breathe? Should I trust breathing? It's kind of there, but there is proof of it. And the same thing with your intuition. It's kind of something you can't necessarily see, but if you know the system, you will see evidence of it just like you would a breeze through the trees, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I think once you know that, it's much easier to trust it. But I think the reason why people do sort of stay in their concrete lane is because it's it feels tangible to their physical world. Now, the other thing that um, I feel guided to say is that what one of the reasons why we kind of abandon our intuitive faculties and go more with concrete is because we orient ourselves from our physical bodies, our physical, our physicality. And what we don't know is that, what a lot of people don't know is that not only do you have a physical version of you, which is actually a very tiny, tiny part of, 
who you really are. Mm. You have this big, giant, energetic version of you, which is the truth of who you are. So we orient ourselves from the body and then think, okay, we have this little spirit within our body, but actually we're these big balls of energy. Mm. And then the body is a little thimble of a piece uh, so that a little thimble of physicality so that our big energy can have a physical experience. So the body is actually within the energy as opposed to this little spirit being within the body. And when you start to orient yourself from the true you, which is that big energetic version of you, then you navigate your body differently because your body is just giving you the opportunity to experience a physical lifetime, to have, have fun in this lifetime, you know, um, and, or to learn or to, to grow at, you know, in some sort of you know, it's advanced, but in some sort of ascended way, you know, consciousness and all that. But if, but what we do, we have a tendency to get so caught up in the physicality of things and it's very, you know, physical world, your mental mind is really there to help your physical body get through the day. Mm-hmm. Your intuitive um, aspects are kind of your intuition is the language that links that pendulum swings back and forth between the energetic aspect and version of you and the physical version of you. So you set an intention say, I don't know how to do this. What do I do? And that goes out to the greater energetic, you call it the higher self, the infinite self, whatever, you know, word of choice you prefer, but that goes out to that aspect of you. And then it's like a basket. It swings out with your question or your intention and then plunk it gives you you know answers or or guidance and it swings it back into your physical world the aha factor is how that happens you know so um so i think i hope that answered your question but it's perfect yeah I'll well, stop there. <laughs> let, yeah, no, that's brilliant. I'm Sorry. Gonna, it's per- I completely get where you're coming from. Wait, let me ask you a, a final question, Mariana, because the book is so rich. There's so many things I can ask you. It goes into so many powerful areas, you know, channeling, telepathy, and, and things like that. But let me ask you, if somebody wants to kind of nurture this aha moment, uh, thing, what could you say that they could do throughout their day to kind of nurture that within them? Notice. Mm. Notice. We have a tendency to put a cap on everything um, and just focus on the, the, the task of the day. But taking the time to just pay attention, you're going to see that there, there's little threads of commonalities. You might see something, you might ask a question in your head and then you see an answer on a billboard. And then you get, you hear something on the news and it's like, oh, that's kind of in keeping with, and then you hear something out, you know, somebody else is talking about that topic. That's the stream. So that's the stream that you want to get on. And, you would, and if you see it three times, then it's a sign. If you pay attention throughout your day, you're going to realize that the world whispers. It's always whispering and it's always sending you inspirations, answers, and awarenesses 100% of the time, even in your dreams. Wow. It's always on. So if you just start to, plug, to notice, you will plug right in. Brilliant. Well, Mariana... You know, I could probably spend uh, hours chatting to you. It's a fascinating <laughs> book, you know, and thank you so much for taking the time. So um, the book is, as I mentioned, The Aha Factor, which is how to use your intuition to get what you desire and deserve, published by uh, Watkins. So uh, all the best with it, Mariana, and all the best for your work. Thank you so much, Steve. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Like what you've heard, be part of our community by visiting watkinspublishing.com following us on Twitter at Watkins Wisdom 
or liking us on Facebook. <laughs>